Welcome to T Hanks for the memories, or should we say, for this episode, C Hanks for the memories,、uh, because we are covering the great Buck Howard,、um, a film that apparently was released at Sundance on the eighteenth of January two thousand eight, and then sometime later, twentieth of March two thousand nine, it a- apparently got a release,、um, though it only made one million dollars at the box office. Um, I think this、uh, that may, probably makes it the lowest-grossing film that Tom Hanks has ever starred in,、um, you know. And obviously, Tom is not getting、uh, top billing here. His son is getting top billing, and John Malkovich. He's like third or fourth billed still. I think Emily Blunt is like third billed.、Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because obviously our last people the first time they saw this film for me it was yesterday, and I'm going to assume for everybody else. Um, uh, you know, we'll start with Andy.、Uh, I'm guessing this is probably one that you didn't catch <laughs> on opening day in the cinema. I didn't. I don't think、um, this was one that I.、Uh, I'm trying to remember if I even rem- remember hearing about this one coming out. Like it's one of those films that just kind of came and went. Is kind of my recollection of it. And、um, I didn't really end up watching it until I'm like, oh, there's, there's. I need to go back and and. Catch these, you know, a few little Tom Hanks things where he just appeared as a supporting character type of things, and so, so I watched this back in,、um, oh, just、uh, five years ago. Twenty seventeen was the first time I ended up looking at this film.、Yeah. So, and Susan,、um, I'm guessing I also saw this movie for the first time yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had not heard about it until we were recording、uh, Apollo thirteen, and you had mentioned this movie and that. It was the first time it had graced my ears. <laughs> yeah, I mean,、uh, I like you know, in terms of what to watch for this podcast, I made a you know an idea. You know, obviously at the start, I was like, I'm not going to watch anything where he's just producing the film.、Um, so unfortunately, that means I don't get to cover you know where the wild things are,、um, but also it means I don't have to cover Mamma Mia、um, or my big fat Greek wedding too. Um, you know, so I, I made a choice to kind of exclude those types of films. I'm not covering any TV series, obviously, because you know Tom has produced a few TV series、um, over the years,、um, and that ends up becoming quite laborious, like kind of going through episode of episode of stuff.、Um, and there's a few times where he's made kind of cameos in films,、um, and you know, one I think before this point, I think like Radio Flyer is probably the most well known, where I you know I just didn't feel like it is a Tom Hanks film. You know, it's It's everybody else film, and then Tom Hanks is there as like a narrator or something, and it's like it's a tiny part. It's not really worth covering.、Um, whereas with this, you know, Tom is producing it.、Uh, interestingly, the copy that I've got, you know, over here was released by a company called Bristol Bay, and this is the last film they've ever released. Like they haven't released any other films since.、Uh, they've released a handful of films before this,、um, and I think they were bought out by Walden Media, which I think is the company that distributed it in other countries. Um, and like Playtone, those were the two, like literally the two credits before it was just Bristol Bay and Playtone, and that was it. Then we strayed into the film,、uh, which I enjoyed because there's been some films I've seen recently in the cinema that have like six or seven like animated openings, and it's like 
Oh, they seem endless yeah. now. Uh, last Night in Soho, <laughs> I think, was the record where it was like seven different like animated openings. And I understand people have put money into it and they want people to know they've put money into it. But like at the start of the film, you know, read the room and just after one or two, like call it a day. You know, people don't need to sit through. Give us a list. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> and Well, the funny thing is then when you get opening credits and it's like produced by and it just keeps listing company after company after company. You're like, well, I'm glad these guys didn't feel the need to put something animated up front. Um, yeah, but for this, it was like literally like, you know, 10 seconds and we were straight into the film, which, you know, I was I was happy about that. Um, but yeah, you know, it was this, this, you know, barely got a release, basically, um, you know, and it, what's weird is like the the guy who kind of like wrote and like directed it uh, is a guy called Sean McGinley without an E in his name. Uh, as it says on Wikipedia, not to be confused with Sean McGinley with an E in his name. Um, and apparently he did a film called Two Days, uh, which is so uh, noteworthy that on Wikipedia it loops back to him. There's no page for that film um, starring Paul Rudd and Donald Logue. So apparently that got Tom Hanks' interest. And then he spoke to him about, you know, like, what would you want to do? And apparently Sean McGinley had been a road manager to Kreskin, uh, otherwise known as the Amazing Kreskin. Obviously, that being the template for the character of Buck Howard. Um, so this is in a way kind of like autobiographical um, in that, you know, he his character is played here by Colin Hanks. Um, and, you know, obviously, Tom, at this point, he loves he loves a good biography. So if there's a real person involved, then, you know, he's happy to get involved. And obviously, uh, the easiest way to have somebody play Colin Hanks's dad was to have someone play Colin Hanks's dad, who is Colin Hanks's dad. And obviously, Tom decided, <laughs> you know, he was ideal for that road. Being the producer on this, I guess he, he kind of. He made the executive decision to be like, yes, I will appear in your film. Um, I'm guessing they probably did that because I mean, it might have given it a bit more profile, but I, it didn't seem to make any difference in terms of... I mean, there is a slight resemblance between them, <laughs> I suppose. It is, it is always nice when you do see family working together and playing family. Just I, I don't know. Just, it does lend a little something. So it's, uh, it was kind of nice seeing the two of them working together which I, I don't think that they have done since well i mean colin was I very i think he had like a cameo in um that thing you do he played like a page boy or something like that but i don't yeah. know that he was like he didn't really have lines or anything like that so he's been in his dad's movies i think in that, the background yeah that felt like you know oh let my kid kind <laughs> yeah. of run on there and kind of directors do that, and do producers that do that all bit. the time yeah this is like, yeah, this is, you know, a chance for them to really work. Together, but there were times is, in this movie where Colin was speaking and he's like, if you're not looking at the screen, it sounds like Tom Hanks. Yeah. I think, I mean, either, it's not always like that, but there are times where you're just like that. That was such a Tom Hanks moment right there. <laughs> yeah. His, um, it's interesting because, you know, he was born Colin Dillingham. Uh, he took his, his mother's name. Uh, she passed in. 2002 um you know uh, so obviously you know he's he's you know been closer with his father since um and i think you know there, there was obviously a, you know a bit of a reluctance for him to kind of um you know to to become an actor you know obviously when you've got someone who you know has won two back-to-back -back oscars like before the age before the time you've turned 15 <laughs> like you know that's gonna it's be a lot to live up to yeah it's gonna be hard <laughs> to live up to that and obviously you know he was you know he was in roswell uh you know for the first couple of seasons which is you know where i i'm sure i remember seeing him first and kind of recognizing obviously his surname 
Um, and I, you know, I saw him in Get Over It uh, in 2001 and Orange County. I think Orange County, obviously, you know, everyone kind of remembers that. Uh, you know, Jack Black, of course, also kind of, you know, making that, an impact. Yeah, that was kind of his yeah. breakout, as I recall. Like, like everyone's like, oh, he's finally, you know, able to carry a film yeah. sort of thing. Along with uh, Shula Fisk, I think is how you say her name. The, the daughter of uh, Carrie uh, from the Brian De Palma film. I can't remember the... Uh, Sissy Spacek. Um, so it feels like there was a tiny bit of, um, you know, nepotism going on in that film because Jake Kasdan directed it, obviously son of Lawrence Kasdan. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of what we like to call Wikipedia blue links going on there. Um, but yeah, you know, I thought he was quite good in that. Um, and then, I mean, the same year that he was in this, he was also in The House Bunny, which again is like kind of, you know, uh, I don't know if you call it a breakout, but like, you know, he hadn't really kind of done anything in between that, uh, you know, apart from like King Kong, um, you know, working with Peter Jackson. But that's not, you know, King Kong, that King Kong is not really like considered particularly highly these days. So it's not it's not like Colin Hanks well, was like particularly stand out in that. And I don't that's not one where you, you know, I mean, it's largely not like the actor's film. Oh, no. You know, you're going into that one to watch the big monkey. So it's like other than like, you know, a couple of the, the principal, like the top principles, you're largely just forget like the rest of the actors are just kind of filler. And it's, it's really all about a, a giant yeah. ape. It did reunite him with Jack Black, of course. Um, yeah, they've been, they've worked together because he was also in, he was also uh, in Tenacious the D. Tenacious yeah. D movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of years before this, but yeah, and the Jumanji films. So they have been in a yeah, lot of. Yeah, so that was I know five films they've been together. Um, that I think the yeah. only thing I seen Colin Hanks in previous to this was Drunk History. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't remember if it was like maybe the following year to this where he was in Mad Men for a few episodes where he played like uh, you know a sexy priest um, who didn't get together <laughs> with. Uh, Elizabeth Moss's character um, wasn't particularly in, interested in Mad Men now, but you have my attention. Yeah, he, there's a, there's, <laughs> I can't. There's one of the episodes, like I think it might be his final episode, where at the end you see him kind of like going back to hit like his bedroom, and he like, gets out a uh, acoustic guitar and he just like sings a song for like the last three minutes of the episode, <laughs> um, and you're like, okay, you know, like you know, Colin Hanks obviously trying to set, you know keep his uh, you know uh, show us his different uh, talents. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he also appeared in a film called Parkland, which is about the, you know, assassination of JFK, uh, produced Another by one his, that dad. his dad. Yeah, produced, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, but you know, he's had, you know, like he's had other roles. Um, you know, he's done quite a bit of TV and Did, stuff. Um, yeah, Fargo was the other. Yeah. That's the other show that I feel like I mostly remember him from because he was pretty much the whole first yeah. season. Um, and then more recently, he did a sitcom on CBS called Life in Pieces. Um, which uh, also, I mean, the cast on that is like very stacked. Um, but you know, I enjoyed him on that. You know, he's he's quite fun on that. You know, uh, you know, I used to enjoy waiting for episodes to come out each week, and you know, like he, he kind of played like a new father who was kind of you know trying to figure out uh, you know all that kind of stuff, and you know, it's in kind of like a, a large extended family, and there was very you know, I thought that was quite enjoyable. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, so he's I mean, he's had a reasonable uh, kind of career. Um, and this in both Tom and his case is an oddity, I would say. <laughs> like it's it's like a, like I say, you know, Sean McGinley based it on his real experiences with Kreskin. 
Um, I don't know why they didn't just go for like a Kreskin biopic, but I guess they wanted to alter some details um, that I guess would feel like it made Kreskin seem a bit more, uh, I don't know, like the, the whole tour thing where they're like touring like small venues that are like half full. I'm not sure that Kreskin would have been like, yeah, make it look like from you know a portion of my career nobody was coming to see me like i'm not some i think maybe that's why they fictionalized it a bit just to kind of do that but they acknowledge him at the end and they say that he was kind of the inspiration for it he is still alive um he's 87 so i don't think he's been performing for a while um, well apparently he used he his biggest trick is the is the find the find the fee yeah uh trick yeah but he does it in a different way however it is done for either of them really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that, that like the, the like Kreskin had, had always said that like he mostly did his stuff through um, kind of like cold reading. And, you know, so I, I'm guessing like the whoever's hiding the money, like the body language of the people near it is probably if you've done it thousands of times, as he apparently did. Uh, apparently, because he one of my last notes was, though, so did he cheat? Or was he just really observant? <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I think the film, like, towards the end, obviously we can talk about it once we get there, it does make the case for the fact that he was just very good at reading people's body language. And, you know, we get a few kind of cat-like shots of, like, people for, in the audience and how they're, like, trying not they're to like kind of sitting, give it away. Yeah, they're, like, yeah. sitting very stiffly staring forward. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I, I think that's kind of how it worked, is just, like, people, it would kind of be given away by their body language. Um, and in the film, I think uh, Buck says that he's done it like, I don't know, 3,000 or 4,000 times. Um, and in real life, apparently Kreskin did this trick roughly 6,000 times. And apparently he only missed about 12 times out of that. So, you know, yeah, it's a uh, but and Crazy. also like all the stuff about The Tonight Show, about like being on there 61 times and all that kind of stuff is, you know, is is kind of taken from Kreskin's life exactly. And that's, you know, there also is a, a truth in the fact that like for the last decade of Johnny Carson's time on there, Kreskin didn't appear. Um, you know, like after 1980, he basically didn't kind of appear on it. And again, like the kind of him coming back to prominence in the 90s uh, as kind of like a corny kind of like retro act did kind of happen. And so that's, you know, that is kind of what the film kind of bases that on. Although I will say this, nowhere in the film do we ever get an indication of like when this film is set. We have to assume it's like a few years before 2008 or something because obviously, the, you know, the coder at the end sees him um, you know, kind of going back to see him, you know, a few months later or something. So, you know, maybe it's it's the start of 2007 or I don't know. Like there's there's no kind of indication that it isn't modern day. But at the same time, um, you know, there's not really like the thing that seems to be missing for me is like there's not really people on cell phones like, you know, and well, uh, Colin Howard's uh, character is a few times. Yeah. Because I was, I was noting his flip phone, and I had also made a note yeah. that, um, we'll get to this later, but the when he hypnotize, when he hypnotizes and puts to sleep the large group, yeah. and all the, the uh, press leaves because um, oh, they're Jerry calls on uh, the Springer, yeah, yeah. J they, go, they got calls on their cell phones, but my, my, my note was that if this had been filmed today, there would be a whole bunch of people filming it on their phones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, like, it feels like it's a, like slightly earlier than what, like the, the, the present day, like it to me anyway like it didn't feel completely you know 2008 but again there's no real indication of kind of when it's set somebody yes somebody does reference the matrix once that's true um, yeah so yeah. so we know it's like you know it's in the it's in the 2000s but yeah it's not super clear and i i don't think people were filming with their phones quite i mean facebook wasn't until 2008 yeah. so 
Um, yeah, so it's it's all kind of like hitting right at that particular window. Right before everything changed. <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I think yeah. I do have some footage that I recorded on my mobile phone from like 2006-ish. Um, but it's like very, very low resolution. Like you can barely see yeah, what's going on. I, on it. Like pictures from <laughs> when I traveled for work on like an old Nokia. Like I'm just like, is there, I think there's a person in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's very, very... Uh, yeah. Um, obviously, using his power uh, as producer, we get uh, Tom bringing in Tak Fushimoto, who did the, uh, who I think was the DP on that thing you do, uh, and obviously who I think worked with uh, Jonathan Demi uh, a lot. Yeah, he was a big Jonathan yeah, Demi yeah. guy. So yeah. I think Tom's obviously using his connections because I'm not sure that this Sean McGinley guy would have been able to get Tak Fushimoto to come in and do his his um, his film. Um, you Essentially, know. everyone was working for Tom on this film. It it certainly feels like that. Like you know, yeah. we get the return of uh, Emily Blunt, who does does a back to back feat of being the lover of Tom Hanks in one film, and then the lover of Colin in the next. Um, <laughs> uh, considering that she was literally just in Charlie Wilson's War with Tom, um, so she yeah, does I, not appear in this movie until twenty seven minutes in, though. Yeah. Yeah, and she it's not that while. long a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she takes a while to, and not now, but she is kind of gone around the hour mark as well. So yeah, you know, here she feels is. Like, there she goes. Yeah, more than like the two days she did on Charlie Wilson's Wall. This feels like maybe she did a week. Um, yeah, and obviously Steve's on. Well, she's definitely yeah, yeah, definitely more of a player because that I mean it was like she was in it for that one scene, yeah. right? In yeah, the, in uh, Charlie Wilson's yeah. War, and which obviously was last week's film, uh, or you know the last film we covered um but yeah and then you know we've also got steve zahn who of course has worked with tom a couple of times before this uh, most notably in that thing you do um you know we also we also get like patrick fischler and Wallace langham patrick fischler had been on mad men uh, on i think the start of the second season uh where he plays the guy who don has an affair with his wife and he ends up punching him at one point um, he'd been on a ton of TV stuff. He's a really good actor. I really like him. Obviously, Adam Scott. I'm... This is kind of Adam Scott before he was kind of super famous. <laughs> like, um, so, uh, and then Wallace Langham, who at this point I think was in the thick of being on CSI. Uh, so, you know, was probably quite well known. Um, you know, and Deborah Monk uh, is really fun in this as Doreen. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, obviously we could talk about that once, once we get to that. Uh, and then, of course, towards the end, we get Griffin Dunn. Um, again, a great actor, and you know, Sur surprisingly small part for how uh, high his name up is or is up. Yeah, the poster. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, wow, he's he's yeah, because the poster <laughs> has Colin yeah. Hanks and John Malkovich standing together, and at the bottom has Emily Blunt, Ricky Jay, Griffin Dunn, Steve Zahn, and Tom Hanks. Yeah. Two out of yeah. those five characters are in the movie for like less than five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Griffin Dunn kind of. In fact, like his his picture on the poster is just literally like the one sh the, like the one side of the two shot that he has with Colin. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and then of course uh, Donnie Most, um, a, a friend of course of Ron Howard, uh, worked with him on Happy Days. Uh, he would prefer to be called Don Most. Uh, thank you very much. Um, but there are so many cameos in this yeah. movie, like uh, so many. Yeah. Yeah. The Don Most thing is a joke on Family Guy where they literally have Donnie Most like come out of the, the ether in the woods because he's uh, a redhead. 
and they sing Donny Most, Donny Most, and then he comes out and he goes, uh, actually, it's Don Most, and then he kind of descends back into the... And that's literally all he says. Um, and that's why I kind of remembered it, like, when he appeared in this... I was like, oh, it's Don Most. He prefers to be called Don Most. Uh, but, yeah, he, you know, he kind of pops up as the Tonight Show uh, producer who has to apologize to... Because we uh, also have, me. like, Mary Hart, John Stewart, Martha Stewart, yeah. Conan O'Brien, Regis and Kelly, George Takai, Jay Leno... Tom Arnold and then Don Most. <laughs> Gary Coleman. Yeah, yeah Gary, Gary Coleman, Coleman was at the beginning. Winslow. Gary yeah. Coleman, like yeah. one of his last yep. films. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously we'll we'll cover them all once we arrive at them, um, because 